BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of. One that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. I'm your host, Will Meldman, with my amazing co-host, Brock O'Hearn. It's good to be amazing. Thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of different adjectives every time. Yeah, yeah. Very positive attributes. Um, How was your weekend, Brock? It's cool, man. Yeah, went and popped down to South by Southwest. Uh, Adrian Grenier had a event that we went to and Vince from Entourage. Entourage, yep. Yeah. Awesome guy. He's doing a lot of stuff in the sustainable world and we had a lot of fun and flew back last night uh with thirty minutes to spare to go hit the Lakers game. So popped over there and had a good time. Hell yeah. How was your weekend, man? Very good. I actually uh practiced what I preached in our Presley episode when I said I stayed in on Saturday nights and wrote uh comic books. Amazing. Living up to the nerd tag I'm giving myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, have you seen any good shows lately? Reacher on Amazon, which is a lot of like a big action show. Uh, that's been a lot of fun and finished up The Last of Us the other weekend. It's kind of sucks. There's not more episodes, but that was a fun one too. What about you? Yeah, that documentary we watched with Morton the other day about ancient civilizations and the caves in India that, you know, are carved into like perfect smoothness and perfect measurements and all that. Like, 12,000 years ago when we were supposedly hunter gatherers, you know, I love all that stuff. So, um, I forget what it was called. Like, I don't know. Probably something with the word ancient in it, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely ancient. And then we had the Oscars too. I mean, how, how spot on were we with, you know, me essentially predicting Brendan Fraser would win for the whale and then you all over everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, the, the, and well-deserved on both of them, man. Brendan Fraser is incredible, and to see him come back this strong is is really cool. Man, I've always been a big fan of his, and everything everywhere all at once, too. Just that movie itself blew my mind, so it was, uh, it was really cool seeing that. It felt like, you know, the Oscars were back again. 100%, and the proof is in the pudding on our predictions. You, you can go check out our uh, <laughs> other episode, Top Films of 2022. We have it on video. Yeah, we have it go. on video, there video evidence. And uh, speaking of <laughs> celebrities in the entertainment industry, our, oh, our guest today is uh, no stranger to the limelight and uh, LA and entertainment. 
we have a Craig Susser of Craig's American Restaurant. Ooh. Or like, as we like to say in Studio 22, amazing Craig. Oh. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. Amazing Craig. I got an adjective. There you I go, like man. There you All go. right. Welcome to our uh, Studio 22. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm just sitting here watching greatness at work. Hey, man. This is kind of fun. Takes one to know one, I would say. Oh, absolutely. So speaking of the Oscars, did you do anything for it? I know sometimes you host events or... We had a uh, we had an Oscar event, which uh, which is always fun and never gets old. I always kind of walk around the room and think to myself, you know, when you're first opening up a restaurant, you never think that these are the kind of events that you're going to host. So um, very grateful that the town has embraced us and that they consider it a home and it's a place they want to celebrate. So... It was fun. I thought the Oscars was really good, and I, uh, it was really nice to see Jimmy Kimmel up there because he does such a good job of being a fan, and um, it's it's really nice to see. He's, I mean, he's been around a long time, right? Definitely a pro. Well, yeah, it's like it's just nice to have somebody uh, you know hosting the Oscars that actually appreciates the people and the work, yeah, um, that goes on. And it and it look, it's it's fun. It's supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to be entertaining. And I think this Oscars kind of hit that note, which yeah. is nice. I mean, I like how he kind of addressed the controversy of last year's as well. Um, you know, kind of just like, it, it, I feel like it would have been weird if you didn't bring it up, but he kind of just made a little joke about it and moved on, and, and that was it. And, you know, Brock and I kind of talked about it on a live stream, but all those moments of, like, Harrison Ford and uh, Kiwai Kwan, uh, reuniting from Temple of Doom and, and all that and him winning for everything everywhere all at once. I mean, there were definitely, and Brendan Fraser, like we talked about, Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, there were Michelle Yeoh. There were, there were so many moments, right? Yeah. There's that, people that are committed to their art and committed to the, what they do for a living. And, yeah. you know, if you think about the longevity of some of the people that we're talking about, and it's great. And they never gave up on themselves, which is, I mean, so heroic when you think about all the moments in our personal lives where you can choose to lay down and stop. And, you know, I think it's amazing. I've got this quote that I always uh, read when I was like 15, 14. I put it on my uh, ceiling because I was, I learned, or this is what I learned at that time was that your subconscious is most awake or most active right before you go to sleep and right when you wake up. So I like imprinted this in my mind and it said a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. And I just, live that and breathe it it's probably like the thing that pops up in my head all the time so i think for sure we are exactly what we think and there's nothing in our way except us yeah yeah and if you can get out of your own way it's the biggest thing best thing you can do for yourself for sure yeah and even michelle yo kind of gave don lemon a shout out and like don't let anyone tell you you're ever out of your prime which i appreciated that was pretty good absolutely so yeah so take us back a little bit um you were the Host at Dantana's for... Uh, I, I thought we were going back to where I was born. Hey. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now I got to know. That, no, no. that <laughs> would be... Back. I think that'd be boring. Um, all right. So let's see. Uh, in an acting class, going to college, I'm a waiter like every other person in LA and uh, kind of making my way through. And I've got a job at Antonio's, a Mexican restaurant on Melrose, one of the first high-end Mexican restaurant places. And... Um, you know, there's little Craig and he's wearing a black, you know, vest and he's got the, one of those big colorful Mexican bolo ties and I'm, you know, I'm selling, you know, upscale Mexican food. And there was a guy named Rudy there that was actually a really old school, great waiter that first started teaching me the art 
of hospitality, right? It's not just the mechanics. So we learned a lot there. And then um, we would celebrate, uh, the acting class would celebrate a lot at Dantana's. And that's how I first kind of learned about Dantana's. I'd go there once in a while as a customer. I didn't have any money, um, but I would go there once in a while. And um, I stopped in on a Saturday night, just have a beer on my way home. And Jimmy, who was the maitre d', and Mike, who was the bartender, who was quite literally the best bartender I've ever met in my life and, and influenced so many people in this town. Um, they were like, hey, have you ever been a bartender before? And I was like, nope. And they're like, perfect. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, so They're like, look, it's easier if you don't know anything for us to teach you than if you come in here with bad habits. So they sent me home with a literally an empty vodka bottle and a shot glass, and they said, fill it with water, be able to pour a shot without looking, and then let us know when you got it. And so I started at Dan's in 1986 as a waiter and a server. Uh, it didn't go particularly well. Uh, six months of like basically getting my brains beaten in by the regulars, like who's this kid and uh-huh. he doesn't know anything. And I'm like, I'd walk up to a table and I'd say, hey, can I get you anything? And they'd be like, F off, where's Brock? Like, F off, where's Will? Like, uh-huh. where's my regular waiter? Mm-hmm. And that was hard to take, right? So you're, you literally feel like you can't do anything right. But it was just a, uh, it was a very regulars kind of restaurant and they wanted what they wanted. And I slowly learned uh, as a waiter and a bartender what people really, really, really wanted. And so um, 1986, I'm working a little bit as an actor. I mean, enough to kind of like keep my, you know, foot in the door. Um, I've got a really good job and uh, meeting a lot of an amazing people. I mean, the, the people that used to come in and out of Dantana's back in the 80s and early 90s was just like an eclectic crew, um, but a lot of fun. And, and that's where I really learned the backbone of the hospitality business. And then in 2003, um, I was asked to take over as the maitre d'. And I don't know why or how or what, but it was like literally dropping a fish in the water. I don't know how I know how to do it. I was just like, bang, I got this. And I was really good at it. Um, And I loved it. And I I still do. Um, And that really went on and continued my education in the the business. Uh, Then I kind of took on some managerial duties and stuff like that in 2008, 2009. And then eventually I was going to buy a piece of Dan Tana's or all of it. And uh, Dan without going into details, decided to do something else. And in, in 2010, he sold it to somebody else. And I worked there for a few years, uh, for a few months, and realized that it was time for me to open my own place. Mm. I apologize for skipping ahead. That was just where our paths intersected. So I'm like, oh, that's yeah. that's the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate yeah. that additional context. Yeah, so there was, it was, it was, there was a little bit more emotion to it. My, my dad had passed away. Dan was like a second dad to me. The, the, the future that I kind of had, plan for myself didn't really work out but i don't know look the universe sometimes has plans for us that even we don't know and um i mean thank god all that happened because craig's wouldn't exist so in 2010 i decided to leave put together uh all of the money that i had my family threw in some money we had about half went out to some select people and who said yeah you can do this and uh raise some money and uh, actually, I remember signing the lease in August, and uh, we opened January twelfth, two thousand eleven. 
And people have asked me, like, what's significant about that date? I'm like, that's the date I didn't have any more money, so let's open. <laughs> it's like, uh, and that's it. And we we opened, and, and, you know, everybody likes to think it was like a rocket ship right from the get-go, and it wasn't. It was uh, incredibly busy um, in the first two or three months, but we had a lot of growing pains like every restaurant. And that's why... Whenever a new restaurant opens, everybody says to me, did you go? Did you go? And I'm like, no, I'd like to like give them three, four months because it's really hard to get an entire crew working together as a unit. Now, just imagine if you were working fry, he was working pasta, I'm working grill, and then it's your day off. Now you've switched positions. Mm. Right. Right? So you got to get everybody to make everything exactly the same way. And the waiters have to be working in concert and the door has to be working in concert. They don't even know where the forks are, where the pepper is, where it's not hardwired yet. So all of those things that we take for granted aren't yet. It's like a ballet. It's like a wow. frenetic, crazy ballet, but everybody knows where they're going to be. And everybody knows how to get by everybody, right? So right in the beginning, everybody's bumping into each other. They don't yeah. know where to go. They don't know what everything is. And not everybody's making everything the exact same way. So it takes a long time. And then... Um, I was, I, I can't say that I knew how to do this, but I knew enough to give the restaurant room to grow as opposed to what I thought it was supposed to be. I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, I knew that, um, things weren't perfect. The food wasn't right. Some of the drinks weren't right. Some of the service wasn't right, but we just kept working on it. And I just kept saying to people, Stick with me, I got it. Stick with me, I got it. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, you're right. And slowly we started making those changes and people started m- noticing those things. And they started, you know, understanding that I wasn't happy either, right? And that was kind of the biggest thing. And, and then slowly but surely, like you could start to feel the ship get righted. And then all of a sudden, I'd say like in September or October of that year, um, I just felt it. And I was like, oh, now the place has a little swagger. Like, oh, okay, it found itself. And it wasn't exactly what I had intended. It was just a little off. It was like that 10% that gave it that like, you know, the people were suggesting dishes and we were going, okay, well, let's try those as specials. And then they would land really well and I put them on the menu. But I didn't necessarily intend to serve that mm. in the beginning. But then I realized I want to be that restaurant where you go to get your favorite thing not where I'm teaching you how to eat. It's a very different philosophy. And that's what it sounds like, right? You're, you're not the authoritarian there demanding every little thing. You're rolling with the punches and, and taking suggestions from everyone there that's working there and has good ideas. I love that. Right. You're open to new innovative stuff. I mean, that's right. great. And some people couldn't even you know, articulate it correctly. They just knew it wasn't right. And I knew that like we just kept searching and searching and searching. And Look, the proof is in the pudding. Like you, you either people are either coming back and getting more, or they're not. And once you start to realize that you're hitting the mark, that's when you know you're on the right track. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite things about your restaurant is it feels like family in a way. It feels like you know, there's so many regulars that enjoy going there all the time. So every time I've been, I've ran into friends. You see interesting people, you meet interesting people, there's great conversation, and the food is phenomenal every time. So I like older, middle-aged, younger. I like people that have money and people that don't have money. 
I love people that are just gotten to town and they haven't really done anything yet. And then there's some tourists that come into town. They may have heard about the place. Like it just is a nice mix of people, ideas, walks of life. You got accountants, lawyers, actors, agents, producers. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. And they're all eating very accessible food. It's just up, upscale comfort food. It's not like we're yeah. we're not we're not pushing the envelope on on anything. And by the way, I have nothing but respect for for restaurants that do push the envelope. And I do know that people go out for that experience. And some of those chefs are some of my closest friends. Yeah. And I'm amazed at the work they do. But that's not why you go to Craig's. You go to Craig's for great food, great service, great ambiance, and a hug. And it and it and it, you have to deliver that. Speaking of ambiance, right? Um, you know, when we did our episode with Randy Gerber coming out of nightlife and, and setting up bars and, and clubs and all that, I mean, Craig's has like a very distinct feel and atmosphere mm-hmm. and exactly like you're describing. Right. But Randy had kind of mentioned the difficulty in, in setting that up from the furniture, the lighting, the sound, like, what are you listening to music? Um, how did you kind of, how'd you get that right? Yeah, how'd you get that so right? Well, I don't, so it, it, Randy and I have had conversations about this. Uh, um, and and believe me, I drive the hosts and the major D's nuts about lighting and, and and music. So you have to kind of know your audience, right? You, you don't want heavy hip hop running at six o'clock at night because that's not the crowd, right? If you've got a bunch of 60-year-olds and 70-year-olds and some tourists in there, you, you want to be running more accessible music. Right. And then as the night goes on, you can kind of ramp it up. And also with volume, right? So it's softer in the evening, early evening, and then it gets a little louder. And then all of a sudden at 9, 930, it's pumping, mm-hmm. right? And all that looks accidental, but it's not accidental, right? And then the same thing with the lighting. The lighting's got to look good. It's got to make everybody look good. Women want to look great because light's hitting you from several different angles. Everybody loves that, you know, the, the restaurants that have that like stark lighting and it hits the table and it yeah. flushes up on your face, but... We don't really look good that way, right? It hits us with like shadows and things like that. So that being said, that's their style. And that's totally cool, but that wasn't what I was going after. So what we were going after was, do you remember restaurants in New York where you'd go down the steps and you'd walk in and you'd go, huh, how long has this place been? And it just felt like there was history. Like Cipriani's? Yeah, or- just old school. Like, you know, my dad used to take me to a place in New York called Frankie and Johnny's, uh, the 21 Club. Like old school New York joints. And um, we were like, well, what would a 1940s New York restaurant look like in L.A. in 2011? Wow. Right? Without being a cartoon. Mm. So how do you figure that out? And then try to also use materials and a look and feel that isn't going to look aged out in four or five years. I mean, do you remember the whole River Rock thing when everybody did a shower in River Rocks? It was like it was like a thing like ten years ago, and now every home you walk into has got River Rock. You're like, oh god, I remember that yeah, session. Yeah. It's like so you have to like you're also you're also designing it for longevity. So I had a great architect, a, a guy named Jay Charles, who did a great job. Did a lot of homes, and so what we were doing was an extension of your living room. It was basically walking into your home, but it was a restaurant, and we literally made these decisions and then the brick was specific because the brick feels like old school new york so they were very very conscious choices and the booths the color of the booths are like fresh and like i came from dantana's it was red and it was dark and it was like 
a lot. And to kind of get me from there to here, it took some, it, it took some playing, right? But, but you realize that that Cadillac blue booth is really kind of fresh and unique and still gives you that nostalgic feeling. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like when you open a restaurant, you got to understand like, gosh, you take some beatings. I mean, you really take some beatings because people come in and like, you know, it's not exactly what they were expecting. It's also new. It's, it's uh, the only thing I can, I, I, I can liken it to is like when you put on a brand new pair of shoes, they look good, but they're not yours and you don't feel good and you're uncomfortable. I like that. Right. And all of a sudden, like everybody's like, yeah, but it's not like that. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course it's not like that, but it'll be like this. You know what I mean? Like, Keep wearing them. They'll get comfortable. Like, you're just like, come back. Just please come back. And then, I mean, uh, one of the biggest beatings I ever took was through Jerry Weintraub. Oh, yeah. I took a, I I mean, that was, God, that was six weeks in. Rest in peace, Jerry. We love you. Oh, God, I love that man. And I miss him because he was honest enough. uh, And your dad was, your dad was at that meeting. Was he there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jerry, uh, (laughs) I'll tell this story. This is great. So, uh, Jerry was there with the whole family on the Saturday night before Oscars, and it was our first Oscars. Oh, and wow. so we didn't really like know how busy we were going to get, and it got big. It got really busy. The bar backed up to the tables. The sound panels hadn't been put in yet, so it was really loud. And the food was really kind of, uh, admittedly, hit and miss. And so Jerry comes in with the family. It's the first time he's been there ever since oh, the place wow. opened. 10 o'clock the next morning, I get a phone call from Susie. Jerry wants to see you. I'm like, cool. When? Now. I'm like, now? He's like, now. I'm like, shit. <laughs> so I, I do the only thing I can think to do. I call your dad. <laughs> I, like, I go, hey. He goes, already got the call. Come grab me. I'm like, I'm coming to grab you? He goes, you're coming to grab me. Your dad gets in the car with a French dip. I go, what's that? He goes, it's a French dip. I go, we're going to need a French tip. He goes, we're going to need a French tip. <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, it's 10 a.m. I'm like, oh God, this is bad. So we go into the room and uh, we sit down and Jerry's like, how are you? How's everything? It's good to see you. You know, I love you both, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, what fuck are you thinking? And it just goes uh, down a list of everything that he didn't like. And I got to admit, it was wrong. Uh, it was a little harsh. It was a little over the top considering it's only a restaurant that's been o- open for four or five weeks. But all of those things that he mentioned are all important things. And a lot of that I'm going to attest, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame on the fact that it wasn't a finely tuned machine yet. It wasn't that ballet that I was talking about. And that's what the difference, like if you go to a brand new restaurant today and then you go in six months, you'll feel a totally different place and that's just kind of what happens um as long as you're also willing to like fix the problems right so but i had friends and and people like that that actually cared about me and cared about me enough and cared about my success enough that they wanted to make sure that i had no illusions as to exactly where i stood and how other people might be talking about the restaurant right and so we fixed a lot of those things and then we got through the summer and then also you don't realize when you open up a restaurant in the summertime if you're brand new, there is no tourists, right? Everybody leaves yeah. town. Everybody's, you know, off doing their summer plans. And the tourists don't think to ask for your place because they don't know anything about it. And then also, 
The other big thing I didn't realize is there's no food to go because you don't have a favorite dish. And you don't think like, oh, we're staying in and watching a movie tonight. Let's get Craig's to go. Well, why would you think that? You haven't been there or you don't have a favorite dish yet. So all that stuff takes about a year to grow. So as we did, um, as we kind of found our place in September, October, you could really feel it lock in. The crowd started coming back. The vibe was there. It, it had what I call swagger. Um, and, and then um, we had the Christmas season and then we had the award show and, 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 and I was lucky enough to, to do an, um, we did an Oscar party for George and um, Clooney had one of his first Oscar parties there. And, and it just kind of like, it was such an honor um, th- that, you know, we could host an event like that. And you never think when you open a place, I just, you're just trying to hit a double up the middle, you right. know? And all of a Different sudden, average. yeah, you're just, you're just yeah. trying to stay in business. And then all of a sudden it starts to kind of click. Um, and then one of the other things that really, um, another turning point of it was embracing people's specific dietary likes, restrictions, whatever it was. Which so, has really changed in our culture, admittingly, right? In the last oh like 10 God. years. I mean, it's, I can't imagine. So uh, I guess it was like 10 years in, and I got I to gotta give a lot of credit to our chef. Like, so Chef Kirsten um, came on, I would say, in August of that year. So a lot of the corrections on the food um, started to happen with Chef. And, and, and Kirsten is not only a great chef, but he's a great teacher. So in other words, if you're the line cooks, he could teach you how to make it, and then it would stick right and and part of being a great chef is being a great educator and a great chef it's part of being a great restaurateur for me is saying okay this is what you do as a host this is how we handle our people nope we don't handle them like that we handle them like this it's not no i can't do this it's yes i can do it it just may not be at the time you want me to do it right so there's hospitality is done in in, in a lot of different ways and it if it's being done really well it's it's being done with what doesn't look like a lot of effort, but there's a lot of effort and a lot of thoughtfulness behind it, right? I mean, that's that's true hospitality. When you have somebody come into your home, what do you want? You know, you want a cup of coffee? You want a drink? What do you, you want? Something to eat? What do, what do you want? That that that's the level of hospitality that we want at the restaurant. You're entering our home, and how can we help you, right? So, and that is not. It's not effortless. It should look effortless. In honor of Jerry, I have a quick Jerry story I want to get in. And then, Brock, I want to get to one of your questions. Um, my first day of work for Ocean's 13, where I wake up in Jerry's guest, guest house, like guest room, go to the kitchen at 4 a.m., me, my dad, and Jerry. And because this is all in line with, like, he cares, but it's a little harsh, right? Mine was more preemptive. He was basically like, he throws some cornflakes in a bowl, throws some milk in, hands it to me. He goes, I haven't made breakfast for myself in the last 10 years. Here you go. And, and then me, my dad, and Jerry were having coffee, and he goes, look at me. Don't fuck this up. Because, like, my opportunity is a big opportunity for me. I'm, like, right. my first job ever going to Warner Brothers, working there. And it, but you could, like, you could tell he cared, right? right? And I love how you told that story because it's, yeah, it's a little harsh, but like he's doing it to help. And um, 
I just really always appreciated that about him is he was definitely always honest with you. Yeah. I mean, and, look, he did, he did it to your dad with, with, you know, with the early clubs. Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, I know he did. Um, and he did it out of like exactly, it was part of Jerry's way. Right, the name of his documentary, right? His right, way, right? So it was just, it was just his way. He like he had to beat you up and then watch you make it better, and that way he could also take a little bit of the credit <laughs> for making it better, right? It was a little self serving, but it actually got it done. And and look, I, I loved him for it. I you know I miss getting his phone calls and I miss looking down and seeing, you know, Jerry Weintraub and thinking to myself, oof, which way is this going to go? You know, Me because too. you you never quite knew which way it was either going. Hey, kid, I love you. Blah 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 blah. I need this, or you know, the other one, which was like both barrels. And you're <laughs> like, oh my god, like what happened? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but anyway, awesome. you know, they don't make people like that anymore, and 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 I miss that because those people are self-made, yeah, and they really kind of have a way of doing business, and I. I Look, I have nothing but respect and love, and I, I do miss him a lot. Absolutely. I've, I didn't get the honor of meeting him, but every time I've heard anything about him, it's always been the greatest stories and, and how he just lifted everyone up, man. It's And I love hearing more because he just, even to this day, his his you know presence carries on with other people, right? And, and how, 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 can I use four little words on this? I mean, or, Use whatever you want, uh, man. Okay, so yeah. here, here's a great, here's another great Jerry story. So Jerry's in the corner eating, about to eat dinner, and he's about to take an order. And um, all of a sudden, his hand goes up. And I'm like, oh, shit. I'm at the maitre d' stand. And I see the hand go up, and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So I walk over to the table. I go, what? He goes, this fucking guy says I can't get spaghetti with my clams. He only says I can get linguine. I go, Jerry, I got it. He goes, then why is he standing behind you shaking his head no? And I go, Jerry, got it. Walk away, walk away with the waiter. Waiter's like, we don't have spaghetti. You're lying to him. I go, are you a moron? I go, there's a market a block away. Here's 20 bucks. Give it to the busboy. Get him his spaghetti. Why are you fucking arguing with him? And that's when a couple of the waiters also realized this is a different place. Yeah. Right? So it did two things. It told him that I love him and I'll get him anything he wants. And it told the servers and the other waiters, whoa. This is the way we do things at Greg's. Yeah. Right? We get a lot of customers now that go, hey, can you make duck? Can you make uh, some sort of a special vegan dish? Can you make whatever it is? And I go, yeah, give me a couple days notice and let me know when you're coming back in and we'll make that the special for the night. And and that way it's kind of like people come in and say, oh, I'm in the mood for this, I'm in the mood for that. And it's a way of first honoring them and secondly challenging the kitchen because yeah. they always love something new and fun yeah. to make. And then- it's kind of an interesting special, yeah. you know. It, it makes your experience more personal too. Like it, it, yeah. you remember that moment. Hey, I remember the time Craig got me duck on that Saturday, and right before I went to you know the Oscars or whatever it was. Right, exactly. That's and awesome. and and then the other thing was like you know we were we were talking about dietary restrictions and things like that, and I remember somebody coming to me and you know back before Instagram and Facebook and 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 TikTok and all that stuff, yeah. influencers and stuff. What influenced was where certain people ate. Okay, so restaurants back 10, 12 years ago, if, if X, Y, and Z ate there, other people wanted to eat there. That makes sense, right? Because you're like being seen. Right. So you're like, like, you walk in a restaurant, you're like, oh, he's here, they're here, she's here. Wow, okay, this must, this must be good. 
Yeah, like yeah. I'm coming. Yeah. Um, so one of those people wasn't coming and I ran into them on the street and I go, what's going on? And they go, I love you, dude, but I'm not eating a plate of vegetables. I'm a vegan. And I'm like, great. I got you. They're like, not eating a plate of vegetables. I'm like, I got you. Just let me know when you're coming. So sure enough, I get a phone call. I'm coming on Friday. I go to chef. I go, chef, we got to make a vegan dish. And it can't just be a plate of like, we got to make a vegan <laughs> dish. So we start doing some research and stuff. And he, he, he does a, uh, like a portobello tower. And it was actually really, really good. Sitting at the front table, eating their dinner. And uh, people are walking by going, what's that? And I go, oh, it's a vegan dish. Don't worry about it. And they're like, no, no, that looks really good. And then like another person ordered it, and that other person ordered it. Mm. And then, then we started having one vegan dish on the menu and then two vegan dishes. Now remember, this is 10 years ago. Right. And then all of a sudden it, it turned into a section on the menu. And so that section on the menu made up 18% of our sales. Wow. Yeah, because it came, it, it, you know, the spaghetti squash is in there. and like I love the spaghetti uh, squash. Right, it's right. Yeah, yeah. But, but all of a sudden, but everybody goes, oh, my God, you were an early adopter. Good for you and blah, blah. I go, no, 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 no. I was just trying to stay in business. Like, <laughs> it was just, yeah. I was like, whatever you need just to stay in business. That's why I started to make some of these changes. And that's what's so fascinating about our business is you've got to pay attention to what's happening in kind of the moment to moment to moment. It's like, it's like Randy was talking about. How do you grab an essence, a vibe, a feeling? Um, you walk into a place and the music's right and the lighting's right and the vibe is good and the energy's great. And then, okay, but we eat differently now than we did 12 years ago. So are you consistently making little changes so yeah. that you know, you, you're kind of changing with the times without changing who you are, right? And the essence of what you offer. Like that's the trick. That's the hard part. I mean, I, I worked in the service industry for for years and um, different. It was you know retail, but what I learned from that was you know you can sell a product that's great. People come in buy it, but but what the real thing was was how they felt. You know, and then for example, one of them was jeans. So how they felt wearing those jeans, how they felt in the store, how you treated them. They remember those things, and those moments are what yeah. they carry on, and that's. That's why they call it the service industry and you're serving. And what you did is you went out of your way to serve one person and then it made up 18% Brock, of your- Brock, you just hit it on yeah. the head. Any bartender can make you a Vaca on the Rocks yeah, or a Casa Amigos on the Rocks or anything you're talking about. It, the difference is how do they make you feel when, they, when, you, when you get it? Exactly. It's the emotion. So that's, that's really kind of what we're talking about. That's the difference between, you know, look- like I said, we, we've, we've all been to the restaurants that are white boxes and, and the chef's food is the primary focus. Mm. And I love those experiences and those, those, they're amazing, but it's not where I want to go two or three nights a week. Exactly. Right? So it's, it's a different MO and it's a different feeling. It's how does a restaurant make you feel? And by the way, uh, and I've heard this a lot since COVID, is like life's tough enough. Dinner shouldn't be. Like, can yeah. we just have a good time? Yeah. And can I have something that makes me feel really good, consistent, and I feel like my giving you my business is actually specific. It's not just transactional. It's not just any old body. It's the fact that it's me and you, right? That's different. Yeah. I mean, that's a true testament to why you have the clientele and the people that come in there all the time, it's you gave them a space to relax and enjoy and, and laugh, you know, and have a good time. It's, 
there's never not been a, a great moment at Craig's, man. Oh, it truly, sweet. But it's true, you know, like I, I've never not wanted to go there. You know, I've never not wanted to spend time and eat the food, have a Melbourne chicken, you know, like it's always been great. I literally get that every single time. It's my favorite. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. What for you was, uh, or, or how was the pandemic for you? And when did you decide that you needed to make a shift or do something or, or how was it scary going into that? What was it for you? Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've talked about it to, with some people and I, and I think that, uh, there are, there are moments in the, in life that you literally have no choice, but to either fold or succeed. And if you don't have a choice, if there's no net, then you you're forced to succeed. Otherwise, you're not going to get ahead. So, the restaurant's doing really well. It's um, you know, we're exactly where we want to be. It's got it's got all that energy, all the vibe. Everybody's coming. It's the middle of March, and all of a sudden, like every other business in the world, the brakes stop, and we don't know what's happening. So, um, it's it's the middle of March, and we we get designated as a source for food, right? We're an emergency services, like, you know, we get designated for that so we can stay open and at least do food to go. So I decide to keep the entire crew, right? We're not going to lay anybody off because I don't like it when you say, you know, hey, we're family, we're all in this together when times are good, but then when, like, the shit hits the fan, all of a sudden we're not family, right? So I'm... I'm that alone is a really big decision. Right, so I'm. Uh, I decided that we're not letting anybody go. So we're doing a lot of food to go, and I give the kitchen crew and chef a ton of credit. You got to understand, it's the it's the pandemic. We just are people are dying, and they're showing up every day with their face masks and their face shields and their rubber gloves, and they're banging out as much food to go as we would do in a normal night. Wow! If people were eating in the restaurant. Because nobody really knows where to get food except for obviously the grocery store if you're making it yourself or some restaurants. And it's also one of the like one of the sweetest compliments I ever got was the fact that our entire day has changed. The entire world has changed. The only thing that's the same is your food and the way it tastes. And I was like, wow. I didn't even think about it like that until customers started saying that. Pretty mind-blowing. Then you realize what a restaurant is. I, you know, there are different points where, look, I'm so grateful for the celebrations. I'm so grateful for the Oscar parties. I'm so grateful for the more high profile events. But it's when you're like commiserating, when times are not good, when somebody's passed away, um, and you still feel like that's the place you want to gravitate to. Then you know you've built a place that's making a difference, right? Speaking of passing away, I mean that's. After Jerry's service, where me, you, Dad, and and Michael Weintraub, we're sitting there at Craig's, you know, having his favorite martini. Yeah, and that's where we and wanted we, to go. We all had we the were. spaghetti with clams. We all had the Jerry Weintraub <laughs> spaghetti with clams. Like absolutely, like not the linguine with clams. The spaghetti with clams. <laughs> and it's like there was no other place to go. That was it, right? Yeah. You know, we wanted to be together and be there. So we um we. So we're doing food to go, and then we start hearing the whispers of of uh, patios, and there really aren't like rules of the road. No paperwork's come out yet, and I'm just like, let's let's build a patio, and we start talking about astroturf and 
all this stuff. And my uh, event person at the time, uh, Nicole, comes up and says, why don't you just like hire an event team? And then we reached out to somebody because they're not going to be doing any events. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I get the original quote to build out the back patio and it wasn't quite as big as it is now and it, it didn't have a top to it. But but it's like it's like 75 grand or 80 grand. And I'm like, we're losing six figures a month, like in, a, in an instant. Um, and, w- you know, I've always been very careful. I always had a decent nest egg in the bank because i you know just for a rainy day you kind of never know what's going on but mm-hmm. and now it's starting to kind of deplete and so 75k to do that and i'm like okay if customers are going to come our customers are going to come they're going to want a vibe right so how do i recreate the vibe in a parking lot i don't want them sitting on astroturf and i don't want them looking out at an alley when cars going by yeah um so we build this really cool patio um and then it's kind of successful. This is May, June. It's like, good, let's let's make it a little bit bigger. It's great. And then let's make it a little bit bigger. So now I've spent, I don't know, restaurants maybe spent $175,000, $180,000 on this patio. And then we get word that, like, we can do the front. Okay, well, that's another seventy-five k. And then I remember walking through the restaurant very specifically with Chef. And I said, hey, Kirsten what are we going to do when the restaurant can be back inside and we have the patios? We go, how are we going to serve all these people? And he goes, oh, we're not. I go, what do you mean? He goes, we can't do that. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, the kitchen's not big enough. I go, okay, how can we? Because <laughs> I don't want to hear no. I don't want to hear no. Yeah. And I love chaos, right? So I'm like, I'm not giving up those patios. <laughs> so, so he's like, you, we would have to literally replace everything in the kitchen with new firepower. Wow. So new ovens, new grills, new ranges, new everything. And I'm like, but we're not making it any bigger. He goes, but what we're getting is, it's 20 years old. It's like the difference yeah. between driving a 1990 car and a 2010 car. It's, it's just better. Yeah. And it's got more firepower. And I'm like, so you're saying, well, I'm not making this up, that we could probably handle all of it with a new kitchen. And he goes, Yes. another check (laughs) okay so now i am like we're reach i'm i don't want to go back out to the investors and i am now reaching into my own pocket and you know look who are you gonna bet on you gonna bet on yourself so that's what i'm talking about there's moments in life like and by the way i never like looked myself in the mirror and said there's gonna be come a day where you're gonna be called on like you know like that's crazy like you just get put in these situations and you're like you're either gonna sink or swim what are you gonna do and so I talked to my wife, I talked to my family, and I'm like, look, you got to bet on yourself if you're going to bet on anybody. And I put the money in. We redid. I was literally like, <laughs> I was spending money like a drunk sailor. So, uh, <laughs> although I don't want to disparage drunk sailors. Anyway, uh, so um, I redid the bar. Like, I, I like redid the stain, sanded it out, and restained it. We fixed the carpeting. I think we redid the bathrooms. Um, now I'm redoing the kitchen. I mean, there's people that literally wanted to sit me down and go, dude, are you okay? Like, you know, like it's the pandemic. Like people are getting crushed and you're busy spending money. Like it's going out of style. And I'm like, no, I just, I think we have to get prepared. This is a moment in time that won't last forever. And we're never going to have the opportunity to resand the bar. 
Yeah. Because it takes seven to 10 days. We're never going to have a chance to replace the tiles or replace the kitchen or redo the, you know. Because no one's eating inside and you're only. Right. But I can, I can have mo, I can have a little bit more time to do this stuff. And also we weren't closing. So they had to redo the kitchen while we were open. Wow. So they, we would close it like, also remember food to go, we would close earlier. So we would close at like 10 o'clock. They would come in at 1030 and work all the way till like six in the morning. Jeez. And then we would start the prep process because I can't believe you got a contractor to do that. Every, was well, it your team or was no, it the contractor? People, Look, need, people a, need to work, right? Anybody will do anything if you pay them more. Yeah. Right, right. So then, like, you know, you, look, vegetables start getting delivered at 6 37 o'clock. You know, meat, fish, produce, everything comes in every day. It has to be checked on the inventory, it has to be cleaned, it has to be put away, it has to be like, you know, all the sauces that we make, we make everything in house. Everything we make is fresh and made in-house. So everything's got to get done every day. And, you know, it took a little bit. And, you know, looking back on it, it was a risk and a gamble, but it's worth it. So for a while, when they reopened indoors, they did it slowly, right? We'd it was 25% indoors and then it was 50% indoors. Remember sitting yeah. at, ca- at catty corner tables and like yeah. you couldn't sit within six feet and we had those plastic shields up. I mean, like, yep. like if you think about some of the things that we, we did and went through, it's kind of crazy, but, but we did all that stuff and then eventually we were open completely inside. And that's where uh, we, the kitchen was like, okay, we're getting it done, but I'm not sure we're getting it done at the level that we are as proud of and then there were some issues with people didn't want to sit on the front patio because they wanted to sit in the middle and sit in the back and, and then we had all remember the security issues so we hired two full-time security guards so that people felt safe no matter where they were sitting mm. and that was another thing that came out after covid it's like who has security guards at restaurants well now we've got two full-time that walk around making sure that people are safe and that the perimeter is safe so uh, eventually the city decided to do some construction work on Melrose. And at first I was kind of upset and we took that patio down. But what I realized is the front of the restaurant looks better without a patio there and valet people coming in and out. It just looked better. And then chef said to me, you know, we, we we can do a better product. Like mm, it, you scaled that it, down. we were getting, we were, we were doing it, but it wasn't always up to our standards. Um, so now, now we're kind of back into the groove of it a little bit, and it just feels better. That back patio now has a has a top to it. Still got great airflow. Um, I remember when I was I was literally begging the city, begging the governor, begging everybody to put a roof on it. And they're like, "No, it's COVID. You can't have a roof on on the back patio." And I'm like, "Well, it'll be a roof, but it'll be like a carport, so there's air still coming in, you know, off the of sides." Course. And I'm like, "You don't understand. It rains in California. They're like, it never rains in California." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, it doesn't didn't rain this year, but it's gonna rain." And then, right? It didn't rain the next year, but then this year. I mean, the last three weeks. It's I, been all rain. I mean, months. since December, I probably would have been closed 35 days, 40 Jeez, days. Because of rain. If we hadn't put a roof on. But, I mean. Like, so, yeah. but that was another 125 grand. And by the way, for people like listening, that back patio is phenomenal. And like, when you say, I love eating there. Because when you say like, you don't want to be looking at an alley and, you know, you want an ambiance. I mean, it is the most next level, like makeshift outdoor scenario that you could possibly have. Oh, it's right? a, I mean, it's, you feel like you're at, it's you're a vibe. Yeah. yeah. More people ask to sit out there than sit in the restaurant. It's a vibe. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't feel like you're outside whatsoever. Right. So you just kind of keep you. you keep, but you get all the benefits of the breeze and the yep. right. So you got all you get, and then all of a sudden we started putting olive trees up, and then we started stringing up lights, and then mm-hmm. like it just keeps growing, it just keeps expanding, and that's what I mean about you know the restaurant. It, it continues to have a life. It's not stuck in time. Yeah. Right. And it kind of continues to keep going. Um, one of the things I do every year, uh, say every three years, I think I redo the bathrooms every three or four years. And it's just one of those things that kind of keeps the restaurant fresh. It kind of keeps it up to date as far as design. And I, I think it shows the customers and the employees that, that we care. I'm going to make a really unique comparison right now. That's a lot of people wouldn't draw, but like there's a reason South Park is in season 26 right now because they can adapt to any current event and make it funny or like, you know, they make fun of everyone. They're not one-sided. They'll, no one's safe when it comes to South Park, right? But if you can continually adapt and evolve, that seems like the key to success, right? Where you're like, like you're saying, redoing the bathrooms, putting in the pandemic stuff, and then actually it worked out so well you kept it. I mean, those evolutionary changes seem to be really contributing to the overall atmosphere and feel. And all. Absolutely. But by the way, I'll take the South Park yeah. I well, association. I mean, on his Lord. note, I want to do a comparison as well because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Was You mentioned the drunken sailor, and I, and I keep thinking just like a sailor, you navigated the perfect storm. Oh. And you know, it's funny. We were yeah. talking about it earlier. You said, is it, is it intuition or is it good business sense? And I think, I think it's instinct. Yeah. I think a lot of it's instinct and it's a lot of it understanding that you get to a point in your life where you're old enough. Like you hear people talking about the stock market now and, 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 and there's young people that have never been through these moments. And then there's other people that have been through these moments and you realize it's never going to be like this all the time. Yeah. Right. So how do you preserve capital and then make sure you're ready for the next leg up? Right. It's the same thing in, in my business. It was like, how do I just keep everybody together? I didn't know there was going to be employee shortage at the end of this. I had no idea. I kept everybody together because I thought it was the right thing to do because these people have lives and families and bills to pay. And why not? Right. So it made perfect sense. And then as we came out of it and there was an employee shortage, they're like, how are you guys doing for employees? I'm like, I don't have an employee issue because we kept everybody. Right. Mm. But I, that's not the reason I did it. I'm just lucky that instinctively I just felt like it was the right thing to do. If that makes any sense. It well, makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that's a true testament to family too. And that's what I thought about when you said it was families want to get your back when things go bad, you know, <sighs> friends, same, but you know, uh, if somebody leaves, that tells you exactly all you need to know. It's just, also, you know, part of part of coming in for the food and stuff like that. It's also you coming in for yeah. the people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's just a true testament to your character, man. And that's, I think, a major reason uh, as to why you've had such great success with Craig's, man. It's just, it's, it's. I love hearing this, man, because there's so much stuff that I do know about you and, and the time we've all spent together and uh, being at Craig's. But it's always fascinating to hear more and and someone's process, you know, of how they got to where they're going. We love that because. In our own personal lives, like you mentioned, you know, your intuition, my whole career uh, as of late is based off my gut, you know, of like, that feels right. I need to do that. That's going to get me to this point. Uh, maybe I should say to this, even if it sounds like a great opportunity, but navigating that to a degree, obviously intelligently, but 
it, it really does make a big impact on where you land, you know, and your path's not always a straight line. So it's, you know, sometimes you go left when you thought you were going to go right and you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I think you just have to be open and I think you have to be listening and, and be willing to go, oh, somebody's got a really good idea or somebody's trying to tell me something. It may not be articulate, but so, there's something there. I got to figure yeah. out what it, what it is. Yeah. Speaking of acting. Ugh. I was just going yeah, to that, bring up, yeah. bring, 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 bring up my meteoric rise in, in, <laughs> in, in the acting world. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I actually am very curious because you do have an extensive IMDb. Um, everything from Chuck and Grey's Anatomy to the OC. I mean, how did you get into acting? I know you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but. Uh, let's see, I moved here when I was 14. And I think the first uh, 15 and 16, I don't think I had any friends in high school. And I would just go to school, come home and, and watch TV. And I, TV was my best friend. And so I, I was going to college and somebody, I don't even know how I got into this acting class, but I, it was down on South Robertson, a guy named Sal Dano. And I walked in and there was all these familiar faces, all these people that were working. And they were in this little dark room, 25 of us. And I was watching the work and I was like, whoa, like that's amazing. And it just kind of got turned on by the work. And, and, and I think there was somewhere in my subconscious that like this was a familiar place and it was a friendly place. And um, I don't know. I started you know, going to the acting class and, and, and the acting coach was, uh, yeah, I mean, he really could see the future because he said to me, he goes, you know, you're really good. And you've got great instincts and um, great technique. You're not going to work. You're not going to work until you're like 45 or 50. And I'm like, what? Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, you're just not baked. Like you're not there. He goes, you'll get a you'll get a few things. I mean, you'll work a little bit. But I just he goes, you better go find something to do. And uh-huh. I literally would start. I, I would. I would get like I got a lot of roles because I was really good at what I did. I knew everybody through Dan Tennis. Right, so I was really easy to have on set. I would nail it in two takes. I wouldn't cost you any extra money, and I had somewhere to go. I didn't want any more. So I, I was like a producer director's dream, and right. I, you know, and I knew all the actors. So it was like it was great. I was like, oh, I need a guy to do eight lines. Call Craig. I need a guy to do this. Call Craig. It was like literally that's what I did for a living. And I, Josh Schwartz on the OC. I mean, I think I did. I think I did. Four four or five episodes, but I played seven or eight different characters. In one episode, it was a dream thing. I played four different characters. If you look at it, right, like you're a great storyteller. You have an incredible amount of like charisma and you're so pleasant to be around that the hospitality and acting kind of, it almost like fits together, right? Where it's like, it's all people and relationships and how you speak to people and engage and all that, right? So, like, are there anything from acting that helped in hospitality or anything in hospitality uh, that helped in acting? Yeah. You know, first of all, it's like we talked about in, you know, acting. It's like, look, they're 18-hour days. And oh, yeah. you really don't want to be around somebody that's unpleasant. No, I mean, that's for damn sure. I, I, trust me, I wasn't number one on the call sheet. So I knew exactly what they wanted out of me. Like, be fun, hang out. Hit your mark, hit your lines. I'm cutting away from you anyway, so it ain't that big. You know, it's like it's like I knew exactly who I was. Um, but it, in look, I think it, in the hospitality business, we have to get out of our own heads and figure out what people want, and I have to deliver it right. So, you having a bad day? Like I, I have to notice it on your body and your face to say, "Oh God, Will, what's going on? Are you cool?" Like, yeah, I'm just kind of. 
shitty day or whatever. Something happened. I broke up with my girlfriend or whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, cool. Come on, let's, let's grab a bite to eat. And we sit and talk. And all of a sudden, you walk out and you feel better. It was just because I was paying attention. Maybe a Casamigos if it's a breakup too. Yeah, a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> or several. Um, so, but but it's just it's 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 being aware and open and honest to know what's going on in somebody's life and being intuitive as to like. And I think my acting probably comes into play on that because, look, the greatest role an actor can do is actually listen. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the it's the it's the actual moment of taking in what somebody's saying. And that's what happens. How many times, I mean, literally at work, somebody could say to me, hey, Craig, how you doing? And I could say, oh, horrible, um, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, cool, cool, cool. Um, table for three. Can I have that one over there? And I'm like, <laughs> you didn't even hear me. Right. Yeah. Right? You didn't even hear yeah. me. Yeah. But whereas like I, where I say, how are you? I'm actually asking how you are. Um, and, and they don't mean anything by it. And they're not being mean. It's just we're all kind of wrapped up sometimes in our own stuff. That like, I, there's a little joke I play sometimes at the end of the night. Like, you know, I say thanks for leaving, and they go, you know, they hear thanks for coming, <laughs> right? Right, but they're not even listening. But I said it with the right tone, right? So we're not even like clued in. That's pretty. That's pretty yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, and I would only do it to somebody that I actually loved, and right. and if they did catch me, we would laugh about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and much like acting, um, it's it's empathy, right? Listening, the empathy, yeah. the being able to be aware of it. So. Look, it's the people business, and if you don't really enjoy people and you don't want to make people happy, um, then then you're not going to be successful in the restaurant business. It'll it'll eat you up slowly because it's so hard. You've got refrigeration and plumbing and deliveries and food and employees and all kinds of other issues. The moments that happen in the actual restaurant make up for all of that stuff. Mm. And so if you don't enjoy that process, it's really going to be difficult. Yeah. That's pretty insightful stuff right there. I mean, what would be, I mean, honestly, I feel like this entire episode is good for like an aspiring restaurateur to like listen to and, and get. Oh, I try to, I try to inspire people not to open up restaurants. I'm like, but you really like, cause everybody sees the party. Right. Everybody sees the eight o'clock me the Oscar wa- party or me celebrity. walking around the restaurant going, Hey, how are you? Are you enjoying that? Everything good? Blah, blah. They think, Oh my God, what a great gig. You know, having a drink with a customer or something like that. They think that's that's the restaurant business. They didn't see the six thirty to tonight. They don't see what the chef's doing in the back of the house. They don't see what the employees are doing. They don't see all of those things that we work really hard on to make it all look effortless. Right. So you better enjoy the business and you better enjoy all of that process. If you do, then by all means, I'll help you. But typically I spend a half an hour trying to talk people out of it because they think <laughs> for that. some reason it's easy. It's like, it's, it's like everybody's saying now, it's like, oh, I'm going to have a podcast. Yeah. I'm like, oh, good. I'm sitting here watching YouTube going, I could do that. I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm going to open up at a restaurant so I can hang at the bar. Right, right. Like, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. what they think the job is. Yeah, and we're right. like, wait a second. Well, it's yeah. a, a lot of it's the idea of it, right? Everyone wants the idea of of that kind of success or opening the restaurant, opening the bar, doing the podcast, doing all these different I things. Mean, and every, every time you're on a movie set, every time I'm on a movie set, I look around and I think there's 250 people that have one single focus and I never know how they got to this point. Mm. I'm amazed. But then every night I hear somebody coming to town going, I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to be a director. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. because you know what? If you've got the belief and you believe in yourself, you will get it done. That's it. Right? Or, or at least not torture yourself in the process, right? 
Yeah. And like have unrealistic goals. And But yeah. there are some people like, look, if that's all you can do to be happy, be a director, be an actor, be a producer, you're going to make it. Yeah. Or be a restaurateur or whatever it is that you set your goal to. If you don't have any net underneath you, then you have no choice but to succeed. Yeah. I've uh, heard this quote from Tarantino that, that I loved and he said, you don't need to have a film degree. You don't need to have tons of money. You don't need to have all these things to make a film. You just have to love filmmaking. You have to love it more than anything and put all of yourself into it um, and you'll make a great film. You know, I think that kind of goes for any business. I think, you know, there are lots of people that just enjoy a, I mean, they enjoy making pizza. They enjoy baking bread. They enjoy whatever it is you enjoy. Yeah. You know it's the, I mean? the man who enjoys the journey will go farther than the man that enjoys the destination. Oh, God. I know a lot of actors that have gotten to the mountaintop and they're not very happy. Yeah. But they love the journey. Yeah. And they talk about the journey years as it, like with some sort of like, you know, wistfulness. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like if you think about it, you've had a lot of those conversations yourself. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to focus on enjoying being present in what I'm doing now, knowing that this isn't where I end or where I, or I land and stay, but realizing like I might not be at where I want in my career. I might not have all the success or have done everything, but I'm having fun the entire time, man. I'm having a good time. I'm meeting great people along the way, you know, and, and it's nothing I would take back, you know? Yeah, see, I, I wish I had a little bit more of that perspective like four or five years ago because you get hit with problems and it, I sometimes I would let it drag me down instead of saying, look, everybody's hit with problems. Mm-hmm. You're in business, you're in a personal life, you're married, you've got kids, whatever it is, it, it, nothing's perfect. And, and nothing comes, doesn't come without a little, a little bit of problem. So enjoy the problems. Like I didn't have that perspective. Mm. And, and now I do, you know, right. and try to overcome those things, but still do it with a smile on my face and still having fun doing it. Right. And figuring out what the next step is. What is the next thing that we're going to be doing? Like what, what, what does the world want? Where is it moving? Yeah. Right. Moving with gratitude. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It, a lot. You know, one thing I'm grateful for is, uh, that Craig's vegan ah. ice cream on the table right there. Yeah. <laughs> so that like, that's an, that's an interesting story. Right. So, so we were, you know, we, we created this like vegan line. We're, we're making entrees. We have appetizers and we're thinking, okay, what are these, what are vegan people eating for dessert? Because you want to have a complete meal. And um, there was a young lady that uh, one of the investors introduced me to and she was making a coconut based ice cream. It was vegan. It was like eight, nine years ago. And I go, oh, nobody's going to eat that. But all right, you know what? You did me a favor. Everybody needs some help. Let me bring it in. And it, and it was actually started selling pretty well. And, um, I wanted to kind of help her grow it. And she decided that, you know what, this is an interesting story that it became a job. Her making the ice cream, which was a hobby actually became a job that she didn't enjoy. And so So she didn't, she didn't enjoy and decided that she wanted to get, she didn't want to do this anymore. Right. right. So, um, I said to chef, uh, is another great Kirsten story. I said, chef, uh, what do you know about making ice cream? And he goes, nothing. I go, cool. <laughs> Let's make some vegan ice cream. <laughs> so uh, I don't like uh, coconut-based ice creams just because I think everything uh, ends up being coconut. Right. I, I love the flavor of it's coconut. It's a strong flavor. It's just like if it's if, if it's chocolate coconut, it ends up being coconut. If it's mint chip coconut, it mm-hmm. ends up being good. So that, that was my only thing. And um, 
Almond wasn't quite there, so we decided on cashews. And so he started coming out of the kitchen with like, taste this. And I'm like, God, that's horrible. And he was like, taste that. I'm like, oh, that's actually pretty good. I'm like, taste that. Like, that's gritty. That's like, I don't know. And I, I go, he goes, he goes, no, no, no. I want, we, I want all this feedback. That's the one thing I love about Chef is like, he is all in for making the best possible dish. And we both take our egos out of it. Like when people tell us they want certain dishes, I don't care if I like it or he likes it. I care that they like it. Right. So, so we make dishes that, that really kind of stand up to our standards, if that makes any sense. So finally, after like six months, he came out with a peanut butter chocolate chip, which is my favorite flavor. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And so I can remember we're making an acquisition art in the back of the kitchen, like literally, like, it's one of those little standalone like things. He's oh, making uh, art, yeah, that's yeah, the machine. Yeah, he's making yeah, it. He's making it like a liter at a time. Oh, so so it, he starts it. making it, and I say, okay, that's good. Let's let's start serving it. We start serving it, and people like it, and it's selling. And then he makes uh, the second flavor. I think was mint chip, and that's great. And it starts putting it out. And it starts selling, and then I see somebody take it to go. Ooh, now where does Craig go with that? <laughs> <laughs> where any moron would go, right? <laughs> so I go like, oh my God, it must be a product. This is great. We're going to make a product. This is going to be our Rayo's tomato sauce. Not having any idea what a product is and how to transport one that you froze in already. Right. Okay. So <laughs> That's a hurdle. Um, Take Recover 180 and freeze it. You <laughs> have fun. And then ship it across the country. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so by the way, oh, and nobody will make it. So I remember going to, uh, okay, so I, go, I remember going to this ice cream company in La Habra, and uh, they've been making ice cream, I forget the name of the place. It was, uh, I probably shouldn't even say it anyway. So anyway, I go into this room, and there's like three guys, and they've got like big bellies, and they're kind of heavy set. And, and I said, hey, I want you to taste this. We make a cashew-based ice cream, and they kind of lean back like this. They go, son, nobody's going to eat cashew-based ice cream. And we ain't making it. And I go, well, okay, here's the deal. Like, if you don't make this, um, you're going to be the Eastman Kodak of, like, ice cream makers. Because at some point... Someone's going to make it. Somebody's going to make it, and you're going to be left in the dust. And they're looking at me like, who is this moron? And I go, if, forget me. There's just going to be another asshole behind me. So it, the world's going that way. And then, sure enough, um, in the beginning, we had to buy our own cashews, have them turned into a cashew butter then that was shipped to a factory where they made the base then we would take the base and move it to another company where they would flavor it and pint it and put it into these containers three separate companies i mean for perspective like that's a lot of steps for so, any type of manufacturing okay, right I'll just say that. i mean because i remember in the beginning they were like um you got to get a you got to get a nut broker i go what's a nut broker <laughs> And that broker. I'm like, what's a nut broker? They're yeah. like, yeah, a guy that's uh, yeah, a guy that sells nuts. I'm like, wow. wait, there's people that sell nuts? He's that's like, yeah, wild. like everything. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then sure enough. You have a nut guy? Like <laughs> Craig's being Craig's, the nut guy is a client. I'm that's like, amazing. I didn't know what you did for a living. He goes, Yeah, I'm a nut broker. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so I'm like, Yeah, check out uh, these nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so then, but I remember it's like, it's like, it's like, okay, I need, I need blonde cashews. Okay? okay, it got specific. I need blonde cashews and I need them crushed. Okay, so now I got blonde cashews and they're getting crushed. And then I send them to the other company. He goes, yeah, they're not crushed enough. I go, I send them back. Go, they're not crushed enough. He goes, we don't crush them twice. I go, guess what? You're going to have to crush them twice. 
because they wouldn't go through the machine because they had little oh. particles. Yeah. You got to get really, really fine. I'm like, uh, uh, I'm getting way too into the weeds of yeah. all this stuff, but but nobody else was making it. So it's the, you got to talk to seven, eight years ago where nobody was making like plant-based oh, yeah. ice creams. So now going back to the theme of either being really hard-headed or trying to do something without a net, mm-hmm. right? And you're forced. So if you've got a vision and you want something bad enough, you're willing to go through anything. I mean, literally, Chef and I would go one step up, three steps back. One step up, three steps back. So, But now, we're now uh, manufactured at a plant in Florida that does everything. We went from making it in a Cuisinart, um, what, a liter at a time, to our, I think our last order was 100,000 pints. Holy moly. I mean, we're now in Gelson's, Bristol, Mothers, Whole Foods. We just got into Publix in uh, in the southeast. I mean, they're in thirteen hundred and twenty stores, like available to buy at Publix right now. Yeah, yeah. So it just okay, got so it just, people can right listening can go right. get it. It just got into Publix, um, and then you know on the wholesale side for for shakes and stuff like that, we're at Fat Burger, Johnny Rockets, Burger Lounge. I ordered a Fat Burger and a Craig's Vegan <laughs> Chocolate Shake. Right. The so other day. so amazing. by the way, so this is what's amazing about this whole business is. Is like you can order a regular burger and fries and still order a vegan shake because right. we're all trying to flex in and out of God, you know, what's kind of healthy? What can I lean into? Or uh, the lack, the the dairy just doesn't make me feel good. See, that's for me. If like if I can have a milkshake and a burger without extra dairy, like I'm all in on that. Right. Every time. So it's not just for the strict vegans. It's for the people that are replacing a meal here and there. It's for somebody that you know, has a sweet tooth at 11 o'clock at night and they're, you know, whatever we're feeling bad about or whatever, you know, and you just want to grab a pint of ice cream while you're watching something. But by the way, that's not going to feel bad because it's made with cashews and it's got less sugar and less fat. And so it's a healthier alternative. That being said, I don't know if we're ever going to really replace all of the, you know, full fat fill milk ice creams, but it'll be 20 or 30% of the product category and it's only going to get more as time goes by right so what we've been trying to do is create good fun interesting flavors but kind of original so we do vanilla chocolate strawberry mint chip peanut butter chocolate chip we're kind of like the og of of ice cream flavors and because i think a lot of people in the vegan space they hide behind flavors that that have a lot of flavor that can hide the base flavor Mm. so in other words if you can make a vegan ice cream that is just a plain vanilla and it tastes great then you've hit home run. And that's kind of what we were at. Like, So Chef and I, we always judge it by how the vanilla tastes. And then finding a manufacturer that'll stand up to your, you know, to your principles, to the way you want it made. Because a lot of, look, in, when, you're, when you're manufacturing at such a high level, a lot of people want to put fillers in that may not exactly be great for you, but... And can make a cheaper product, and we don't want that because it basically represents us when you open up a pint. And I want to make sure that that quality and that taste measures up to exactly the way we did it when we were making it out of a Cuisinart seven years ago. Makes sense. Yeah, incredible. So then, what do we have? We got vanilla. We have vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter, chocolate chip, Melrose mint chip, and then we did um, we did a coffee flavor with Chamberlain coffee. So Emma's a good friend, and uh, and so we. Uh, we put some 
we put some of our coffee in our in our ice cream. It's Can a lot I try of fun. the coffee one? Sure. You got that one? Yeah, I'm going to try all of them. Yep. I've, I've had every single one except for the coffee. Yeah. It's been it's been a lot of fun and and like you said, it's um, much like COVID and and putting out patios and and things like that. The ice cream business, I never had any idea. You've got you've got you know big time distributors. You've mm-hmm. got brokers. You've got retailers. Yeah, it's it's quite a process about how food actually gets to the shelf. And then not only that, how do you get consumers to pick your specific product out of a freezer full of things, right? It's really rich and creamy. So good, yeah. yeah. And for the record, for people watching on YouTube, Craig brought some of them, but then the uh, mint chip and the mm-hmm. vanilla are directly from my freezer. Oh, no, yeah, you had the pints, which by the way, thank you, I love that. <laughs> but but I think like you know as soon as you put your spoon into something, if it slips in and it's kind of rich and creamy, yeah. then you know it's going to be a good experience. Like our our senses tell us stuff long before we taste it. And so those were all the little things that Chef and I would react to. Um, and I think Chef did a great job of creating a really rich, creamy, emotionally like fulfilling product. And that's what it really is. It's all about emotion when we eat ice cream. I am extremely fulfilled right now. <laughs> uh, emotionally very happy at the well, moment. Well, I felt a little uncomfortable with you looking at me saying you were fulfilled. <laughs> You use the word. I just wanted to repeat it. It's a very positive um, experience. <laughs> happy I'm happy I didn't share that moment with you guys. Well, by, by the way, we went from nutcracker to uh, yeah, yeah, nut broker. We went from nut broker to fulfilled, and all in about yeah. two minutes with some deep eye contact. That's, that's great, guys. I'm very happy for you guys with the matching sweaters too. It's great. By the way, palm to table, palm to table. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the. I we came up with it because it's like, look, I'm all about fresh sustainable and using the highest quality ingredients but sometimes like people say to me you're like where do i get my stuff i get it at a farm like you know you don't think that the that the vegetable producer gets the best quality product yeah that's bringing it to us i mean look if you're if you own a restaurant and you're going out back and you're picking vegetables from the garden i love it and i think it's fantastic and we have sustainable gardens at the restaurant. We have those towers where we throw yeah. off a lot of lettuce and a That's lot great. of like, yeah, it's great. So I'm all for it. But I just think it's a little bit of a marketing phrase that gets overplayed a little bit. And so yeah. this was our fun way of making like, uh, you know, making kind of fun of it. Parm to Table, which was our 12th anniversary sweatshirt. It's cool. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, thanks for bringing that. And they're so comfortable. They're made by Soul Angels they're and they are so comfortable. Yeah. Amazing. All right. All right, man. I love it. You guys, you're killing it. We um, we're, have been excited about this one for a long time. I'm glad we got it in. Yeah. I did want to say also, we yeah. uh, officially partnered with iHeart, and you are our first official podcast announcing that. Oh, my God. Congratulations. So th- and Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank oh, you. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, official iHeart Media podcast. Look at you guys. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So there you go. So you guys started something. You believed in yourselves. You worked hard. How many hours have you put in? Think about all the time, energy, yeah. hurdles, Yep. right? And everybody going, oh, God, what do I need another podcast? Yep. Like all those things that happen. Yeah. It, I mean, we didn't have the kitchen switch, but we've had full equipment switches. We've added incorporated new stuff. We brought Spencer on board. Uh, behind the cameras, you know, and then shout out Spencer. Yeah. All, Shout-out Spencer. He, he's been with us every step of the way. By the yeah. way, I love the way you mess with Brock. 
Love the way you turn his volume up and down. Yeah, it's great, dude. Makes yeah. him think he's hard of hearing. It's yep. <laughs> Keep doing it, Spencer. Keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's a pretty big guy to mess with. Anyway, just saying. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, you know, we're passionate about it. We love it. We enjoy it. We're spending time with friends and meeting new people as well, but getting great stories and, and learning, you know. Um, I didn't know there was a, a nut broker until today. So. There's, there's apparently a lot of nut brokers. Yeah, yeah. But really, again, thank you for coming on, man. And we right. will be seeing you again at Craig's. I love it. Yeah, man. Good to see you, Brock. You too, man. Well, thanks. Good Hell yeah. You. Thank Hi, you man. so much. Whatever. Thank you for watching Studio 22. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And follow our socials at Studio 22 Podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Got menopause? We've got you. Hi, Jackie here, founder of ExoJackie. Feel supported throughout your menopause journey and beyond with our organic protein powders and symptom relief boosts. Formulated to keep bones and muscles strong, ExoJackie products help reduce bloating, hot flashes, and weight gain. Enjoy 20% off with promo code EXOPODCAST. Shop now at exojacqui.com. Made for women by women. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Vosh at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build.